1: Traditionally, certain industries have dominated Washington. The defense industry, tech companies, energy companies, they've all spent hundreds of millions of dollars making friends and influencing people on the Hill. But for years, no industry played the game better than the pharmaceutical industry.
0: The drug industry lobby has been the biggest and most influential lobby in Washington for way more than my time here, going back to maybe the 50s. Brody Mullins has covered lobbying for about two decades. You look at other big lobbies in Washington, the oil industry, the tech industry, defense companies, those lobbies in Washington are tiny compared to the pharmaceutical lobby. Tiny? The pharmaceutical lobby is more than double the size of the oil industry's lobby. Wow. So that tells you something.
1: The pharmaceutical lobby doesn't just spend more than other groups. It wins more, too.
0: They have won on just about every major fight in Washington. They've won when Republicans are in charge. They've won when Democrats are in charge. Everyone knows, you just sort of hear anecdotally, that the drug industry lobby is incredibly powerful. They are. But all of a sudden, they're not. Today on the show, how big pharma lost its magic touch. And what it says about the power of big business in Washington.
1: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money,
0: business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh.
1: And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, February 25th. The lobbying group that for decades has represented drug makers in Washington goes by an acronym, PHRMA. Pharma.
0: Yeah, it's the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, which has been shortened for many, many years to be Pharma.
1: And for years, Pharma, the organization, wielded the kind of clout in D.C. that other industries could only dream about.
0: Pharma has been a killer organization. People are afraid of them. The saying in Washington is you want to be either feared or respected. They were respected and feared. Maybe they were respected because they were feared. They had a reputation of going to lawmakers and saying, we need you to vote for us here, or we're going to run campaign ads against you and defeat you in your congressional district.
1: Pharma had the budget to potentially unseat members of Congress. And Congress people knew it. But just like Pharma could break a politician's campaign, it could make it, too.
0: They had so much money, in fact, that Pharma would run ads for a member of Congress in their district, and then after they won the election, once there's Nothing left at stake. They often went back and ran ads thanking voters for voting for the member of Congress. Wow. Just to sort of add some cherry on the top.
1: Pharma was able to exercise that kind of power for years because it had two major things going for it. Money and friends in high places. The money came from the companies that Pharma represents. Drug makers like Eli Lilly and Pfizer pay Pharma annual dues to lobby for them on the Hill. The friends came mostly from the Republican Party.
0: And that's because they share the same ideological bent, which is that the government, particularly the federal government, should not get involved in the free market economy.
1: So if you are pharma, your goal is to essentially just keep Republicans in your corner.
0: Yeah, it's just sort of a simple idea. It's like get all of your allies in the Republican Party, reach out to some Democrats, and you're going to always have 51% of the vote.
1: For decades, this strategy worked for pharma, For example, in 2003, Republicans put forward a bill that would give seniors access to prescription drugs through Medicare for the first time. For drug makers, this was a huge opportunity. The government was about to start buying tons of drugs. And the legislation stipulated that the government would have to give up its negotiating power. Medicare wouldn't directly negotiate with drug companies over drug prices. Because of that, the vote was very contentious. It dragged on and on as Pharma's Republican allies tried to bring reluctant lawmakers on
0: board. In the super inside D.C. baseball world, it was actually an incredibly fascinating vote on the House floor. Off no on I for Mr. Dooley. Back in 2003, Tom DeLay, you might remember him, was in charge of this vote. Off no on I for Mr. Scott of Georgia. Votes in the House are normally 15 minutes. And at 15 minutes, a bell goes off and everyone's votes are counted. Some votes sort of straggle in. They say who won or lost. This vote was held open for more than two hours. It was so close. It went so far down the Mr. wire. But,
1: I move reconsideration. I did th- Thanks this- to your arm twisting well, the, the gentleman the arm- gentleman will suspend Mr. Speaker
0: it took Republicans more than two hours to pass the bill that's like a football game ending and waiting two hours while the game sort of goes on with the clock stopped until the home team wins on this vote the A's are 220 the A's are 215 the conference vote is agreed to without objection the motion to reach a is laid upon the table that day Pharma won big time it was just a sign of their strength I mean they got a huge, huge, new market, Medicare, they were not allowed to negotiate the prices. I mean, it was like a double win for pharma.
1: For pharma, this wasn't just a win for drug companies' bottom line, but also for innovation. The drug companies say that bigger profits means more money for research and development for new drugs. Pharma dominated even when Democrats were in control — When Obamacare came up for a vote in 2009, the lobby worked around its Republican allies and made a deal with Democrats. Drug companies would support Obamacare and pay $80 billion to help fund it if Democrats didn't mess with drug companies' pricing.
0: That ended up being, in my opinion, an incredibly savvy deal. It led to huge continuing profits. But while pharma was dominating on the Hill, Its
1: reputation among Americans, especially when it came to drug prices, was getting worse and worse. And no one embodied this problem better than a 30-something hedge fund manager named Martin Skreli.
0: He's a CEO
1: so despised that he's been labeled the most hated man in America. When his pharmaceutical company raised the price of an AIDS drug from around $13 a pill to $750 a pill overnight in 2015. He became a symbol of corporate greed. His nickname, Pharma Bro. Headlines like these fed a perception that drug companies were out for profit, not patients' well-being, something that pharma disputes. But a 2019 poll would find that 72% of Americans felt drug companies had too much power in Washington. 79% would say that drug prices were unreasonable. In 2010, Americans paid about $800 per year on average for prescription drugs. By 2017, that number had risen by about $200 to a little over $1,000. That's a 25% increase. But for many people, it feels even worse than that.
0: A lot of health insurance plans have created high-deductible plans. With a high-deductible plan, consumers pay more of the drug prices up front, as in it used to be that certain prescription drugs that you got from your doctor or through your health care plan, you never paid for at all. Now, under these higher-deductible plans, you pay for them right away, so There is a perception that drug prices are really skyrocketing.
1: This perception became a political issue in the 2016 presidential election. Both nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, criticized drug prices. Clinton called drug companies price gougers. And Trump, at a campaign rally in New Hampshire in 2016... You know the drugs. You know what's happening with the drugs, right? ...took aim at precisely the thing pharma had fought so hard for back in 2003... Medicare's inability to negotiate on drug prices. Because we're not allowed for some reason. I don't know what the reason is. I do know what the reason is, but I don't know how they can sell
0: it. We're not allowed to negotiate drug prices. Can you believe it?
1: Still, when Trump eventually won the presidency, Pharma was relieved, even though Trump had campaigned a bit complaining about drug prices.
0: Correct. I think they thought that maybe that was just campaign rhetoric, and at the end of the day, he's a Republican. Remember, you know at the time republicans were their friends. Republicans are people who believe fundamentally that the government should not be involved in the private sector economy. I think pharma hoped that Trump was a traditional conservative republican.
1: But it wouldn't take long for pharma to realize just how wrong they were. That's after the break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back. Trump caused problems for pharma even before he took office.
0: In Trump's first press conference after he's elected, which is in January 2017, he says that drug companies are getting away with get murder. Away with murder. Uh, Pharma.
1: Pharma has a lot of lobbies, a lot of lobbyists, and a lot of power. From a podium at Trump Tower, Trump, the president-elect, echoed the remarks of Trump the candidate almost verbatim. We're the largest buyer of drugs in the world, and yet we don't bid properly, and we're going to start bidding, and we're going to save billions of dollars over a beer.
0: That really sent shockwaves uh, through the drug industry. In fact, the stock prices for many drugs plummeted after he said that.
1: But then Pharma saw some reassuring signs. Weeks later, pharmaceutical CEOs and the head of Pharma met with Trump at the
0: White House.
1: And the president backed off and said that trying to give Medicare negotiating power would be tantamount to price fixing.
0: Everyone's sort of head spinning, but Pharma thinks, okay, well, Maybe that was uh, one little mistake that he made in the press conference and we're all back to uh, being friends again.
1: Uh Uh-huh, and our power still exists.
0: Power still exists.
1: Thinking things were returning to normal, pharma went back to lobbying the way it always had. And Trump, meanwhile, named a former drug company executive to run the Department of Health and Human Services. It seemed like pharma was back on top, but it was about to learn that things in Washington had actually changed.
0: The first tangible sign of pharma's loss and influence came in the uh, budget bill of 2018. Congress and Trump were trying to put together a budget for the entire government. A very small part of this was the budget for Medicare.
1: When it came to Medicare, congressional leaders were $7 billion short. So to plug the gap, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Paul Ryan, and Mitch McConnell came up with a solution they could all live with— Through a complicated change to Medicare payments, they'd stick drug companies with the $7 billion bill. The reason that Republican leadership was willing to do this wasn't just because of the rising public animosity toward drug companies. It also had to do with the way the drug lobby had treated its Republican allies during the Obamacare fight.
0: The problem was, in order for pharma to support Obamacare, they had to ditch Republicans, essentially. Remember, Republicans are fighting tooth and nail against Obamacare. And here's one of their longtime allies, the pharmaceutical industry, who they've worked hand in glove with for decades, ditching them and going and running and supporting Obamacare. So they felt betrayed. Yeah. And also, I should say, like, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this. Republicans don't run around and really bemoan what pharma did back then. It was more of a quiet, seething sort of thing. And when I was talking to Republicans, a lot of them kind of quietly said, you know, remember back in 2009. They felt like they were betrayed by an ally in a war. And so
1: when the time came for congressional leaders to solve their 2018 budget dilemma, Republicans didn't have a problem forcing Pharma to pick up the tab. It fell to Republican Majority Leader Paul Ryan and his team to tell Pharma about the change. But they never did.
0: They felt the only way they could get it in the bill was to not tell pharma. They were worried that they'd tell pharma, pharma's going to run this big lobbying campaign and crush it. And the reason they thought that is because that's what pharma had done for the last 10 years on other proposals. So they add it to the bill. The bill becomes public. Pharma finds out about it and obviously is very upset.
1: Pharma wasn't just upset because Congress hid the change from them, they were upset because Congress had screwed up the math. Drug companies weren't on the hook for $7 billion. They were on the hook for $11 billion. The group appealed to its Republican allies for help, but they didn't get it. Because it wasn't just Trump and Paul Ryan who Pharma couldn't count on anymore. It was a whole lot of Republicans in Congress. Taking aim at drug companies was becoming a bipartisan sport. I want to welcome... And to thank our witnesses. In February 2019, the Senate Finance Committee called a hearing with CEOs of the seven largest drug companies. The topic was high
0: drug prices. The hearing room is packed. Republicans and Democratic members are all there.
1: Predictably, Democrats like Senator Ron Wyden ripped into the CEOs. Drug prices are astronomically high because that's where pharmaceutical companies and their investors want them.
0: We sort of expect at a hearing like this that Democrats are going to criticize industry CEOs. What was surprising here, and what represented the real pivot point, was the number of Republicans who stood up and leveled similar criticism.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to focus on um, Humera. John Cornyn was one of those Republicans. The senator from Texas pressed the CEO of the drug company AbbVie about the company's blockbuster drug Humira. Why, he wanted to know, did Humira need 136 different patents? So is it it your company's position that it should have an exclusive monopoly on that medication for 31 years?
0: It was a really important moment, I thought, because John Cornyn is a very conservative Republican from Texas. He's not the type of person who would go after a drug company for something like that. It sounded like something that Ron Wyden, the Democratic chairman, would go after a drug company for. When Republicans do it, it really shows that your political influence is is changing.
1: Pharma cites one-off anecdotes about certain drugs exploding in price as part of the reason why sentiment has changed both on and off Capitol Hill. It also blames an advertising blitz by industry opponents. But whatever the cause, pharma's power seems to be waning. Does this mean that there may actually be drug price legislation that could
0: get passed? It certainly seems more likely than ever that something is going to happen. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but what we have is Donald Trump, the president, saying we need to do something on drug prices. We have Nancy Pelosi the House Democratic leader saying we need to do something on drug prices. A bunch of big leaders are all saying we need to do something. The question is, can they reach a compromise, find a single solution to to get something done? The Senate is
1: trying. In the months after the Finance Committee's hearing, Republican Chuck Grassley and Democrat Ron Wyden teamed up on a bill to regulate drug prices. John Cornyn, the conservative from Texas, teamed up with the Democrat on a bill to prevent drug companies from using patents to lock in monopolies. So far, pharma has failed to kill either bill. What do you take away from this story about pharma's apparent waning influence?
0: As someone who has covered lobbying and influence in big business in Washington, I sort of see what's happened to pharma as a symptom of a broader shift in power in Washington. And that is that the corporations, which have had increasing power since the early 1970s, are suddenly on their heels companies and trade associations and industries used to have incredible power in Washington with the Republican Party, but also with the Democratic Party, and could really do what they want. They took down environmental groups, they took down labor unions, they took down consumer groups. Now something's changing. Because of the rise in populism in the Republican Party, because the rise of populism in the Democratic Party, big industries across the board have seen their influence wane. The oil industries had problems, big tech We've seen has come under the gun. Pharma is now under the gun. We don't know what's gonna happen in two or four years. This could be a temporary blip, this could be a little speed bump, or this is a radical realignment in how things work.
1: Either way, Pharma is making some changes. In a statement, the group acknowledged its reputation for using hardline tactics. But it said it's shifting course and will work with lawmakers to help make drugs more affordable. That's all for today, Tuesday, February 25th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Stephanie Armour for her reporting. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.